And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me is a returning guest. He was on, I don't even remember what episode he was on. Oh, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. And he I was picked, about to say, how dare. I'm so sorry. And he picked an even wilder movie. It's Matt Koplick, everyone. I said his name right. Yes, you did. We live and we learn. And that'll be the only name I'll say correctly on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, all these other uh, flops, these unknowable names. Yeah, how dare they? Uh, we're here to talk about, I don't know, did this movie flop? Was it a hit? Yes and no. It's This was sort of like a later in life hit. It didn't okay. do super well when it came out. I think also because it was very expensive shooting in yeah. paris is not cheap uh but what i had read was that when my fair lady came out and was such a like global phenomenon they re-released this and it ended up making its money back from that mm-hmm. and now it's considered like a classic and then gilmore girls bought the rights to show some of it probably yeah just for a hot second just for a hot amy Sherman paladino was like everyone needs to know this that this the, movie's the, phenomenal this drum roll yeah. uh we're here to talk about the 1957 movie Funny Face, which is only the, we'll get into it. Screenplay by Leonard Gersh. Yeah. Uh, music by George Gershwin. Lyrics by Ira Gershwin. They should just, music and lyrics by the Gershwins. Let me, let's be real here. Yeah. Uh, directed by Stanley Dunin. Welcome back. Donnan. Pretty, I believe Don- it's Donnan. Sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've done other movies that he's done so welcome back and mm-hmm. according to imdb an impromptu fashion shoot at a bookstore brings about a new fashion model discovery in the shop clerk that's accurate that's the first like 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> yeah but i mean the, i would say like after that th- this movie doesn't necessarily have a plot in the sense of like there's not one major like story arc for everyone it's just like a lot of small things happen there isn't um but kate thompson love her listen this movie is wild and i would not necessarily say that like it has all of the ingredients that make a good musical I do love this movie and not in a way that i love christmas on the square like i don't love it in a campy way i genuinely like Despite all the things about it that are rough, I do think it casts an, a magic spell. Well, I mean, all of a sudden when her and Fred Astaire are doing uh, clap your hands. I- yeah, no, listen, there's a lot of this movie that, in my opinion, does hold up. And then every 10 minutes we hit a bump where we're like, oh, that's not fun. And then Kate Thompson comes in and shouts a line that's wild and ridiculous. And you're like, thank you for being here. I love oh, you. Absolutely. I mean could we go we're gonna get into all of it the may december romance that was like a trademark for audrey hepburn's career yeah okay this whole movie's premise hinges on the idea of someone going hey see that woman over there who's the most beautiful creature to ever exist hot take she's ugly 
but she's no, that's what, so like she's funny she's funny looking but they literally go like that creature over there who the world has recognized as the most beautiful person to ever exist hot take let's put her in a magazine like it's she is the most stunning woman probably to ever be alive and this whole movie hinges on the wild take that a photograph of her would sell and the <laughs> And they don't do anything wild with her. Like, they don't make her look... It's not a she's all that situation. She's literally Audrey Hepburn. And her her shop clerk attire, my mom looked at it the other day. She was like, I'd wear that. I was like, yeah, Audrey Hepburn doesn't do frumpy. Even in Sabrina, you're like, she just has slightly bushier eyebrows. Uh, Yeah, she's she's wearing tweed. Like, gross, disgusting. And I'm just like, in what universe... (laughs) Yeah, is no, Audrey Hepburn she, the ugliest woman that you've ever seen? She has a funny, or you call her, or you say that she has a funny face. I'm like, where? Who? Well, to be yeah, to be fair, they don't say that she's gross and disgusting. They're not like, oh, the ugliest woman ever. They do say she has a funny face, obviously, for the title of the movie. What I do enjoy is that Kay Thompson, the head of the magazine, her issue with Audrey Hepburn's character isn't so much that she's like she's disgusting. She's more like she's a fucking pain in the ass. Agreed. Agreed. Which, you know, she is. She and Fred Astaire both are kind of awful people. Well, Fred Astaire, I am my hot take. Fred Astaire's character in this, I feel like, is a little more tolerable than her character. It's the classic situation of he's charming, but his ideals are gross. Her ideals are admirable. She's just annoying as shit. Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean... When he, all of a sudden he like makes out with her randomly the yeah. first time. I'm just like, where the fuck did that come from? You're moving a little too fast. But then, you know, she, I wish they didn't fall in love. I yeah. want to say that. Like, I wish this wasn't, wasn't a falling in love story. Their best. So let's get, actually, no, let's get into the plot so we can talk about this a little more. Uh, what plot? <laughs> How dare you? This has many plots. Uh, I, I want to make sure listeners know what the hell we're talking about. So let's start getting into this and we can talk about all these hot takes. Okay, so um, let's see. They Actually, that woman that is supposed to be the fashion model in the beginning was a real model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, wrote it, I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, so her name is Marion, but the, the, like, the character's name is Marion, but the woman who plays her is named Dovina, I believe. Get it. And Fred Astaire's character is based off of real photographer Richard Avedon. Avedon. Again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm terrible with names. We know this. Um, yeah. And who Richard actually worked with Dovina. So it's like six degrees of everything. Yeah. Um, I don't think Dovina... Oh, oh, sorry. I don't think Marion would have won America's Next Top Model, personally. Uh, but apparently Audrey Hepburn's character did. And mm-hmm. th- it seems like they were looking for like the average girl. And again. <laughs> yeah, nothing average about Audrey Hepburn. Uh, it's, yeah. So basically we, we have this fashion magazine. Uh, mm-hmm. I already forgot the name of it. I don't, uh, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, it does. It, and it truly doesn't matter. Even though Kay Thompson says it a million times. Kay it's Thompson supposed to is, be Vogue. Let's be, it's yeah. supposed to be, it's, it's supposed Vogue. to be Vogue. Kate Thompson is a precursor to Miranda Priestly, who is based off of well, Anna she, Wintour. Well, yeah, Kate Thompson's character also is based off of a real person. Um, 
probably Diana Wintour. <laughs> Anna Wintour wasn't editor in chief yet. How dare you? 1957. Come on. Anna Wintour could be 3000 years old and I would believe it. So yeah, she's ageless, but you know, Kay Thompson's the editor in chief for a, you know, yes, it is a fashion magazine, but I do appreciate that it has a very heavy female staff, uh, women in multiple positions. Yes. Great. Yes. Great, great job for a 1957 movie that, you know, women, in, women in power and like the man has to report to Kay Thompson and the man yeah. in this case is Fred Astaire. Yeah. Like I said, there are so many things about this movie rewatch. You know, for, you know what, for 1957, considering all the other comedies that were out, this is actually pretty solid. And then like, you know, uh, Fred Astaire kisses Audrey Hepburn without her consent. And then you go, oh, Jesus. And uh, 1957. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, he and Kay Thompson do like an old black gospel hymn to a bunch of prisons and you're like, Oh God, 1957. Um, but as, as you know, again, it's like, we have like a 10 minute track where we're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we hit a problematic hiccup. Uh, mm-hmm. but no, her, uh, Kate Thompson's character is based off of a real person. I just can't remember the name. It's like, uh, Diana Vreeland or something like that, whatever her name is. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Like they're anyway, she's the editor in chief of this magazine and we're, we know the tone of this movie immediately. Because she walks into, she walks into her office, which the like reception area is like a giant uh, Stanley means- Kubrick gay Fantasia. Like it's and, a big. And then she has the the cerulean monologue, but with pink. Yes. Well, so I'm I'm setting the scene. It's oh, a I'm giant sorry, white sorry, box with multitudes of colorful doors. She walks into her office with all these women behind her, all speaking in unison. Again, the movie's telling you off the bat, like the tone that this thing is going to be. Like mm-hmm. this is not, you know, streetcar named Desire. This is not even, you know, what West Side Story is going to be. They're like, you know what this is. Everyone speaks in unison. All the rooms are crazy. And she tells everyone, the magazine's dead. Everything's terrible. All of our ideas suck. Who knows what's going to happen? She goes, wait a second. I got it. We're going to do everything in pink. And then they do the Gershwin song, Think Pink. Uh, and it should be noted that- No, this... it's not a Gershwin song. Think Pink's not a Gershwin song? No. So, okay, I'm going to interject for, we're going to go on a slight tangent. Everyone, welcome to podcasting. There is a show called Funny Face that the Gershwins wrote. It came yes. out in 1927. This movie- With Fred Astaire. With, with Fred Astaire and his sister, Adele. Um, this movie- is not based off of that show. No, uh, it's the title. And I think they take three songs from that show. Four of the songs. Four. Four. Um, Think Pink was written by Leonard Gersh and uh, with lyrics and music by Roger Edens. And the majority of this movie is based off of a failed Leonard Gersh musical called Wedding Bells. And I literally could not find anything on the internet about it i love the tenacity of like oh my musical failed no worries i have a career in hollywood now i'm gonna revive it as a movie with audrey hepburn well so the i i think the idea though is that they had the rights to the the title Mm -hmm. of funny face they had the rights to the songs but they were like uh i think they wanted to do this one because it i reading what the plot synopsis of the show version of funny face it seems a little bit of a downer and a little like it seems more like it has to be done on stage like you can't i don't know if they could create a movie about it yeah um i'm not gonna read it 
No, you don't have to. It's it's on the Wikipedia, everyone. Um, so we do this whole number think tank that is not Gershwin. Sorry about that, everybody. Not Gershwin. Not Gershwin. Um, and it's a fun montage where it's like it's crazy, but again, like you're watching it because it's all about just how they're just throwing pink on everything and you know, pink shampoo, pink dresses, all this stuff, pink toothpaste, and then like all the doors in the office that were once like the color of the rainbow now purely pink and then what i think is actually and the assistant fun... and all the assistants are wearing different pink suits afterwards yep. and we learn like the whole country is now going pink and in the two weeks since the issue has come out which is it is good storytelling to tell us the uh impact that this magazine has by having someone come up and be like in the two weeks since this issue's come out the whole country's gone pink and then a great joke uh someone turns to kate thompson like everyone's wearing pink but you and she goes pink i wouldn't be caught dead which I love. It's I may like, have blacked that moment out because I don't remember that. Oh, it's one of my favorite moments. I guffaw every time I watch it because A, it tells you the, the impact of the magazine. And also it tells you that like Kate Thompson's character, she decides what the country does, but she's in charge of her own self. She does not follow the trends. She sets the trends and then does her own thing, which but I love. Clearly the Devil Wears Prada was inspired by her model, her pink monologue, but changed it to Cerulean. Absolutely. Devil Wears Prada, flop. And <laughs> not not a cultural phenomenon or anything like that nothing like that uh we then are told that we're tr- the next the new trend for the magazine is going to be like the thinking woman they want to start making style for women who don't care for fashion and they try first with their model marion to make her seem smart it's in a boochie uh which is <laughs> I love that that model, by the way, she is real. Her voice is clearly dubbed. They have like some character actress on the lot loop in afterwards, which is fine. It's a boot she. They, um, they, they did kind of like an Adelaide to her where, mm-hmm. you know, she opens her mouth and it sounds so different than the, the visual. Yeah, it's Lena Lamont in Singing in the Rain, which this movie actually predates, I believe. Mm-hmm. Around the same time. No, I think Family Donnan did Singing in the Rain. I could have sworn Singing in the Rain was 59. Am I wrong about that? I want to say it was earlier. It could be earlier, but I, because go, hold on. Listener, go back to the episode. I think it's episode. Oh, no, I'm so wrong. I could not be more wrong. Yeah, it came out in the 40s, right? Never mind. Gigi is 59. That's what I'm thinking of. Because Uh, something else I read was that uh, Audrey Hepburn, who her like whole acting career launched with the stage play Gigi. Which then got her her movie deal and all that stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she came to Broadway as the title role in Gigi, the play version. And uh, they were when they were making it into the movie musical for MGM, they wanted her to play the lead again. And according to IMDb, she turned it down to do this movie. I don't know how those timelines worked out as this came out in 57 and Gigi came out in 59. But... They probably like editing and didn't want to compete with everything. So blah, 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 blah. Don't ask me about science. We, we weren't there. We weren't there. Our time. No, I just have opinions, but I wasn't there. So then uh, they, they, yes. they go into a bookstore that she is a manager of, but she doesn't. She works own. at She just, no, she just she works, works at it. it. Yeah. Um, they, they, and they, they take a photograph with her in like with the model uh yes. and they they have the brilliant idea that to make the model look smarter because she's not looking smart in a studio to put her in a smart environment like a bookstore so they go down to greenwich village where all those like really grubby underground underground nasty bookstores are uh 
and they they just take it over where Audrey Hepburn's working. The store is also completely empty, by the way. Uh-huh. On like a Tuesday afternoon or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's also it's a books, it's a niche bookstore on like Greenwich Village. <laughs> yeah. And like it's not even a like an everything bookstore. They don't have fiction. They don't have medical books. Like it's all books on psychology, but like a very specific branch of psychology. Empathicalism. Yes, it's just the most niche bookstore. So of course no one's there. Is, oh, or something. I, I don't remember. She says it so many times that she's yeah. into empathicalism. And I was like, this can't be real. It's not. Yeah, just, yeah it's just empathy. It's all about empathy, which right. I'm sure was a very novel concept in the 50s. And then, you know, they're like, oh, hey, you're pretty. You're going to be a model now. Come to Paris. And so she, there's the, uh, they have a montage of the of her taking photos in Paris and, um, she comes out and she's stunning and beautiful, but the empathicalism comes in and I'm saying it wrong and I'm not sorry, Who where cares? she wants to meet like the granddaddy of it, the one that created empathicalism. Yeah, the... Um... Uh, what's I'm looking for the like the philosopher who created empathicalism mm-hmm. uh, and he's he has a thing in Paris that she wants to go to and so the day of like the big fashion reveal because now she's like the muse of the, well she's supposed to be the muse of this one designer the, uh, uh, the muse of the designer and the face of the magazine yeah and, and there's the conflict of like oh the the granddaddy of this philosopher this philosopher is talking at this beatnik club but i have to go be at this thing what does she choose both in a way um she goes first well, to the cafe and then okay Fred your, your timelines in. are all over the place and while this movie is crazy this movie is crazy the timelines are make a little more sense when you think about it because do they <laughs> So she's like, the whole thing is like, she's a book nerd. And and again, one thing I do like about the movie is that no one's going like, oh, she's a disgusting person. They're just like, she's a pain in the ass. We don't want to work with her because they show up and she's like, get out of this bookstore, rightfully so. And correct. Yes. Yes. And she keeps telling them like how stupid they all are. And they, you know, Fred Astaire is the one who comes up with the idea is like, she's new. She looks so much different from the other models. To be fair the way that they have all the other models look is like the way that models were looking in magazines at the time, like big hair, bright eyes. And like Audrey Hepburn is very au naturel and like, and like skinny and twiggy. Uh, And they like sort of bustier women. They liked their Marilyn Monroe's, their Sophia Lorenz. Audrey was very much against the trend of all that. She is still like the most stunning woman alive, but uh, they get her they get her up there they decide to have uh to make her their spokeswoman and what gets audrey hepburn to say yes is the idea that she gets to go to paris not because she's like oh you know maybe i could teach the modeling world a thing or two they're like no you get to go to paris for two weeks and she's like oh while i'm there i can go like meet this philosopher i love so much like that's all i really care about so they get they get to paris and like the day that they're supposed to start like fittings and shit she doesn't show up because she's like too hyped up and on paris and she goes to a cafe like meet with the thinking man and they're like this is what you're here to do she's like i don't care about that yeah and and, okay and so there's a conflict between her and fred astaire where he's like you're here to do a job and she's like go fuck yourself um there's a great dance where she which is like from the gap commercials everyone the gap commercial dance Yes, the black the black skinny jean dance, which I think Gap got in a lot of hot water with because that was the first time, 
or let me, I don't know if it was the first time, but it was like a very major moment where a corporation used a dead person's image to sell like their product. And everybody's like, you're using a dead woman's image against her consent, like without her consent. Like or it's kind of gross. Or, or at least, you know, her estate's consent. It's, I don't know if that was true though. I'm sure they got the state's consent, but I don't, you know, like it's, it's a little weird to use like a, like a video of her when she's no longer alive. It's it's a whole thing. Um, Which I, I, at the time it was very like controversial. And now we're like, we don't think anything of it because people do it all the fucking time. We put, you know, James Dean's face on our ass and we're like, whatever. Uh, But it's, it's fun because Audrey Hepburn used to be a dancer. That's how she got her start. She was. Yeah. She was a ballet dancer. Uh, I, I I just assumed that she wasn't a dancer with this movie because, you know, I mean, I did read that she was nervous to be partnered with Fred Astaire because, hello, Fred sure. Astaire. But then you watch, <laughs> you watch this, her, this is her expressing her dad, um, her feelings through dance or whatever. And I was just like, why? <laughs> this is wild. Because this it's is a, fun. It's amazing. And it's, Oh, God. I'm it's... sorry. If Lady Gaga can get nominated for a fucking Oscar for House of Gucci, Audrey Hepburn's allowed to express her release through modern dance. It's so why I I I was just like, what what is this? And then you know, I was like, oh, the Gap commercial. That's what it is. Yeah. And then and uh, I I also was questioning like, why did they cast her? Because she clearly can't sing. Um, I in my she fair... sings about as well as any singing actor from this decade where it's just like it's small it's smoky it's limited you know i mean but it's on pitch she's dubbed in my fair lady she's sure uh, she should have been uh is she dubbed in other things too probably but no, like she's you- only done two movie musicals this and my fair lady she's dubbed in my fair lady 80 percent of the time because i mean that's a role for a singer right. this is more sort of like shantuzi singing no, it's it's a pleasant singing voice. We've all heard her sing Moon River. It's not like unpleasant to listen to, but she's well, you know, yeah. But like this, she's no Mary Martin. This style the, of the music that they require, I was just like, is she really like just talking in rhythm? Kind of, but like that's also what Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire did, and no one thought much of it. So I'm into it. But also, yeah. I'm an Audrey Hepburn stan, so I will not hear any ill towards her about her. But Gene Kelly was actually singing in this one. Like, you can hear him. Like, he's a singer in this movie. You mean Fred Astaire? Fred Astaire... That too. I get not, them confused. No, he I no, he does not sing all that well. He, ha, he has a very pleasant sounding voice, but he is not a singer. Audrey, first of all, do you not know much about Audrey Hepburn's life? Because Audrey Hepburn... She's a princess, ha- right? What? She was a... Pr- no, who am I thinking? That's uh, Grace, Grace Kelly. Kelly. Audrey Hepburn... Uh, I believe she was born in Belgium, Belgium, Holland. I don't know like what the difference is. Yeah. Belgium. Uh, Where she was like basically a child of world war two. She delivered a lot of secret messages to um, the allies against the Nazis. And when the war was over, she uh, ended up being diagnosed with anemia, which kept her rail thin the rest of her life, but also like very low energy. So she studied ballet. She wanted to be a ballet dancer, but she, because of her anemia, she could never, uh, pursue a full-time career as a ballet dancer. So she used her dance training to get theater work. I think she did some musicals on the West End in the chorus, got discovered in a couple of uh, like small, small, like day player roles in movies, got to do Gigi on Broadway, which got her her movie contract. 
she had a very famous screen test for Roman Holiday where she like did a scene and then they kept the cameras rolling and just let her sort of be Audrey. And they're like, oh, that's a movie star. And the uh, rest is history. So in this movie, I couldn't tell if she was putting on an accent or if that was her natural voice. That's her voice. Okay. Because she she has like a slight British accent to her speaking voice. Yes, at the time that she became famous with Roman Holiday and Sabrina, the press didn't really know how to describe her accent. So they just called her British because it is mostly British, but there are like flickers of, you know, I would say a little bit of French in there and Dutch and things like that. Like not all of her vowel placements are proper British, but at the time they just were like, yeah, she's British. Like I said, I didn't know if she was putting it on because, like, this character is, like, annoying as fuck. <laughs> yeah, she, no, she's annoying. Uh, we we all really know this honest. person. We yeah. know every every single person knows this type of person, you know, where they're like, I, I'm into this philosophy ooh, or this lifestyle. Yes. She's off the... She, she doesn't go with the trend, and it's not enough that she doesn't go with the trend. She needs you to know that she's better than you mm-hmm. because she doesn't go along with the trends, which is just, I am all for people who are smart, who, you know, be, uh, follow like their own beaten path. I am not for people who are annoying about it. And again, like her character, she has a lot of proper morals that I agree with. She's just annoying. She, like, right. She's just, she's a pain in the ass. Um, Cause the dance, the dance thing I like, because it's, a it's sort of, it's both like mocking modern dance, like the silliness of modern dance and modern expression. And also like, it's the only time I think in Audrey Hepburn's career where she ever got to be wacky. Cause she's, she's either like serious or she has like impish charm. This is the only time she's ever been like, wow. And I love that. It makes, it makes me giggle. When, when it ends that she's lying on like three people's (laughs) laps and they don't respond in any way. I was just like, thank you. Thank you for this. Like it's, I, I didn't hate it. I was just more like, is she a dancer? Like, that's, like, I I know, like, she's, in this case, she's gesticulating and moving around. And then uh, earlier in the movie, she has a, she she and Fred Astaire do a partnering routine. But, like, in that one, she seemed, like, very stiff and not dancerly. Yeah. It's, I do think that, her partnering with Fred Astaire is not the best. I mean, I, I love Audrey and I love Fred Astaire. Audrey A had a track record in her movies of being paired with much older leading men. Yeah, uh, he was 30 years older than her. Yep. And then uh, she has Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady, Humphrey Bogart and Sabrina, uh, Gregory Peck and Roman Holiday. But it, like... She, girl, <laughs> girlfriend is always paired with guys old enough to be her father. And... <laughs> It's sort there's like a, also there's a trend in movie musical comedies of this decade where like the romantic couples almost have no chemistry or if they do it's more sort of like in a oh you so and so and less of like a I love you or I want to have sex with you and that's sort of like the the chemistry she and Fred Astaire have is at its best when they are sparring off each other not when they're like swooning over each other so like the photo shoot I love a because no one in the world has ever looked as gorgeous as Audrey Hepburn does in that photo shoot. Audrey comes down in that red dress and it's, oh my God God. Saying, it's God saying, go home flops. Like it's just no one, 
you want to kill yourself. But I also love it because Fred Astaire is like giving her notes and she's kind of like throwing it back at him. And it's fun to watch that, that collaborative energy between them. Then when it's like, take take the the picture, picture. take the picture. There's a, there's a still photograph of that scene. First of all, I will also say for as gorgeous as she is in that photo shoot, I don't love a lot of Fred Astaire's photographs. I'm like, you could have gotten a better one uh, considering how stunning she is. Well, no. Okay, so the person, well, the fact that I I was going to say a fun fact, but the fun fact was that uh, Richard Avedon, the one that Fred Astaire Mm. is based off of, actually did the face picture. He took Mm. that, he took that one, you know, the one that's like the poster and the the improbable one that they... (laughs) impossible i mean one yeah. that they, that he develops in the in the dark room mm-hmm. but um i don't know if he took the I, I think what they did was they actually like made stills out of the film that's exactly what they did which is why they're not great photos um there is a there is a photograph of audrey in the red dress at the louvre that is so breathtakingly beautiful like she looks like she could kill you with how stunning she is. And you look at that photo and you're like, yeah, no, the photo that they use in the movie in this red dress is garbage compared to this one. Uh, I'll send it to you. It's just like, it's a, it's a stunning image. But that again, that photo shoot is worth watching the movie for, A, because she's so beautiful. And again, because I like their energy. Can we just like talk about the clothes for a hot second though? Like she baby. It's gorgeous. I didn't like the wedding dress personally because I didn't understand it. Neither did my mom. She has, she has to dance in it on a hill. That's the only, only reason why it's like that. I get but like, it's more like the, I think it's the veil and the fact that I, I couldn't tell if it, if it was supposed to be longer, but because she's dancing, they're like, let's tack mm-hmm. it to the dress and create this like weird floopy thingy going on. But I was just like, I mean, it looked it looked great for like a dancer perspective, you know, because when a lot of a lot of um, choreographers love to see fabric flying, yeah, uh, from from my experience, and so great on them. I I just didn't like it. Now the other stuff that she wears, like the train station one and the balloon oh, one, train station, and even the. Um, before it's destroyed, that dress that she wears at the unveiling party. Yeah. Like the white dress with the pink on top. Is and there's like a print going on and she has the um what am I so, thinking of? I don't know. I'm thinking oh, I'm thinking of when she first is revealed as a model before the photo shoot. That's oh, that's beautiful too. I meant, you know, at at uh, before it gets wet, you know, where they oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. and everything. That one is gorgeous. Like the fashions of this movie, even like the pink uh, suits that the women wear, mm-hmm. uh, Kay Thompson's closet that she had, Kay Thompson's outfits, I died. Yeah, um, Kay, Tom- Kay Thompson is an icon in this movie. I would say there are a couple of reasons to watch this movie, wild as it is. Um, it is under two hours, so that's palatable. It's an hour um, and 20 minutes, everyone. Let's be real here. Yeah, I, maybe maybe like an hour and 30. But yeah, it's 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 relatively short. Um, the fashion is incredible. Audrey looks beautiful. And Kay Thompson is a gay icon. It's You could do a lot worse than this movie, is what I'm saying. True. Uh, it is wild. Very, but very it is, true. It is wild, but you could do a lot worse. Uh, so the 
thing with this movie, as is the case with basically every Audrey Hepburn movie after Roman Holiday, I come from a family that very much loves Audrey, so we know a lot about her. Um, so w- with Audrey Hepburn and Roman Holiday, Edith Head did all of the costumes. And then with Sabrina, which I don't know if you've seen either of those movies, but with Sabrina, that was the first movie she did where Givenchy did her clothes alone. And then at, from that movie onwards, any movie Audrey Hepburn was in, like there were the costumes and then there was Audrey's wardrobe. So which- like Givenchy only would dress audrey and then edith head would do everybody else it's funny that that's happening because on the last episode you were on dolly parton had her own designer too Mm -hmm. i'm sensing a theme with you (laughs) i love women who know uh the people how to dress dress themselves (laughs) exactly i think the only other movie audrey ever did after this that wasn't Givenchy was my fair lady but that's because um that's specific yeah, and like, yeah, th- they basically brought the entire design team from Broadway to make the movie, and they're like, take it or leave it. Um, but yeah, everything that she wears in this movie, just like in Sabrina and Breakfast at Tiffany's, like, girlfriend knows how to wear clothes again, which is why it's so wild that the whole concept of this movie is like, what if she was a model? It's like, no one wears clothes better, right? Oh, uh, I remember the guy's name, Floster, the philosopher. Oh, oh, you so- flop, yeah. Yeah, so like get it kind of getting back to plot. Um, she um we were jumping all over the place. Welcome to podcasting, everyone. She uh she does the she does the unveiling. There's there's like an unveiling party before like the day before the fashion show to like this is the new face of the of the brand and everything, and her and Fred Astaire get into a fight because he's like Floster's hitting on you. He just wants to have sex with you. And she's like, go fuck yourself. Where it's empathicalism. Yeah, and- he under he he appreciates my intellect. To which Fred Astaire says a line that I truly hate, uh, which he says, he's as interested in your intellect as I am. And I was like, if this movie were slightly better, they would right. rewrite that lyric so that like he actually does like her intellect. That like the philosopher is the one who doesn't. Like because because the thing though with Fred Astaire and uh and uh fuck what's her name audrey hepburn yeah um their love or relationship like them falling in love just like comes out of left field in a way because like no chemistry right they 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 he kisses her randomly when he first meets her just because quote she wanted to uh it's, that's it's his a line. very it's a okay so it's a very rough moment and in the movie's defense we have had movies in the last 10 years do this exact same thing. Sometimes it's not sexual, but like I just watched the Annie remake where Annie's like, I think sometimes people who say no are just afraid of saying yes. I'm like, no, get that line out of her mouth. But, uh, and, but Fred- then, you know, they fall in love doing the photo shoot montage and it's like, where did this come from? They try to make it so that way it's like, when he first kisses her, it's supposed to sort of awaken something in her. The line they use to make it to justify the kissing is she's telling him about empathy. It's not just sympathy. You're putting yourself in someone else's mindset and like trying to understand them from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then he kisses her and he goes, I put your, myself in your mindset and it felt like you wanted to be kissed. And the movie kind of sucks a little bit for a second because they, they photograph that that's exactly what she wanted. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It would have been a lot better. If she slapped him, but whatever. Um, and then they have the whole uh, black room scene. Is that, well, that is a black room. Dark room. Dark room. Dark, dark room. Sorry. Ooh. Um, 
Uh-oh. I I was gonna say a green room, and I was like, it's not green. No, um, that no, you're you're in the theater brain right now. Yeah, no, she, uh, they have the thing in the dark room where it's supposed to like be their bonding session, and then like everything they do that's supposed to indicate that they're falling in love is very shallow musical theater language. Mm-hmm. They sing a duet, they have a dance, they do another dance. He dances for her. Well, I didn't the dark room dance uh duet moment i didn't see that as them falling in love i saw it more as like a platonic thing and that's the thing is like i think if this movie were smarter or at least if it were braver because in the 50s i don't think you could have you could have made this movie and they don't fall in love i think that was always supposed to happen the movie wouldn't have been greenlit otherwise but it's supposed to be a stepping stone every moment they have together is supposed to be a building block to us understanding right. that they are eventually going to fall in love. The problem is, is that their chemistry is much more that of like playful coworkers where it's like, we really enjoy each other as people. Yes. Even if we aren't necessarily going to become man and wife. Um, okay. It's very Liz and Jack on 30 Rock. <laughs> That's my energy from them. So then, you know, they make the, uh, she goes to Floster's party. Yeah. Um, which is the day of the fashion show and Fred Astaire tries to save her fails. Well, he, he and Kay Thompson go undercover to this. Like they go undercover as beatniks. They sing clap your hands, which I know you said it's supposed to be like a very like religious. Song. It's a religious song. Um, I mean, I don't know the, I don't know the origins of this song. It sounds like a song that the Gershwins wrote as sort of like faux gospel it's um, from a show called okay uh which is another honestly, gershwin musical from 1926 there was there was a there was a time in the 20s and 30s honestly probably even longer than that but very much in that those two decades were like white characters would do sort of like a fake black persona even if it wasn't necessarily blackface where like they would do a gospel number or they would do sort of like a um jazzy number and it just does it, it was always to sort of show off the like versatility of the performer but mm-hmm. we look at it now we're like this is extremely I'm problematic not gonna lie though i know it like i know it's problematic they they twisted it a little bit to make it a little more big bandy rather than a gospel number sure or like leaning towards a big band rather like rather than be like a full-blown gospel number i thoroughly enjoyed it i I was gonna i was about to get to that i enjoy the number immensely and i think it's because the two of them are so good right Um, and it's it's funny because if you look at kate thompson's imdb a lot of her this is one of four roles that she is actually like credited for everything else says you know the parentheses uncredited Mm -hmm. so like why why were we sleeping on her well she was she wasn't really an actress she performed i think she did a lot of like nightclub acts but she mostly her career in hollywood was as a music arranger and vocal coach she was Minnelli's godmother and she wrote a book she wrote eloise Eloise. she wrote eloise which is based on liza minnelli eloise is a great children's book about a girl who lives at the plaza uh if anyone's familiar with the musical anyone can whistle the role of Cora Hoover Hooper played by Angela Lansbury was inspired by Kay Thompson in terms of like 
the musical stylings of her songs. Not not like Kate Thompson was an evil mayoress. In Clap Your Hands, I loved her and Fred Astaire's chemistry. Like, Mm -hmm. they work well together. I'm glad, though, that they didn't do the uh, classic Hollywood thing where she falls in love with somebody, too. Yeah. Um, She's too busy. She's She's a a working woman. Yeah. But, like, um, she... I don't know if she felt the same way like Audrey Audrey Hepburn I'm mixing up names right now like there's so many names I don't know if she felt the same way Audrey Hepburn did about being partnered with Fred Astaire but like she didn't look scared like she looked she kept up with him and everything yeah Um, there's sort of a ballsy I don't give a fuck attitude about Kate Thompson's performance where because this is sort of a one-off for her I don't think she had any like ideals of becoming a movie star at this point of her life so I think it's power to her yeah it was sort of like oh no I'm making a movie it's fun and so she gives it her all not because she's like this is my only chance but because it's sort of you know I'm making a movie musical with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire I get to go to Paris like why wouldn't I give this my all I mean and She's giving, not only is she giving her all, she's giving her extra. Cause mm-hmm. like she shouts every line, which I love. Oh, yeah. uh, she, her, she has a great, I like her voice personally. She's got a great voice. She's got a great voice. I am very upset though, that like, she didn't have like a big movie career, I guess because um, she in this movie, she seems like a specific character type, and mm. I don't know if, like, there were a lot of roles for her at the time, mm. and nobody wanted to be like, it seems like nobody wanted to be like, I'm writing this movie for you, which I slap everyone on the back of their hand, because, like, she yeah. should have been the star in everything. It tells you a lot about Hollywood in general, the entertainment business, I should say, in general, that, like, someone like Kay Thompson should have had a decades-long movie and theater career as just like right you know, maybe she everything. did have a theater career i just could i i only just looked her up on imdb i didn't look her up i don't think else. she if she had a theater career it was very small again i think most of her performing was limited to nightclub acts because she mostly worked behind the scenes uh which also tells you about just how talented she was as a human not just as a performer uh again i think she she might have been one of the music arrangers for Meet Me in St. Louis. She worked on that movie for sure and very closely with Judy Garland. So I don't know if she like was her vocal coach or she was like one of the arrangers or something, but she, that was something she did. And, I, uh, and that was the majority of her career was that. And I believe Eloise was a hit as soon as it came out. So it's oh, like, yeah. wait, I've definitely seen her name before in other projects. I can't remember now, but like, I know I've seen her name elsewhere. Yeah. If you go on IMDb and you look up probably music department on her IMDb page, I'm sure that will show you everything. Oh, but God. she was an, similar to Audrey Hepburn, both very iconic women who did so much with their lives that don't get enough credit. Um, like when people, when people go on social media and talk about their quote unquote unproblematic faves, I want to tell them, shut the fuck up, you uncultured idiot. And look up Kay Thompson and Audrey Hepburn. Those are people who actually did things. So... Not only was she an uncredited vocal arranger for Meet Me in St. Louis, but she was an uncredited vocal arranger for Funny Face. Mm. So Probably for her songs alone. She was like, I know my voice. I will be arranging my own songs. Please and, and thank you. And she arranged for the Harvey Girls. 
Ziegfeld mm-hmm. Follies and a couple other shows that a couple of movies I don't know off the top. Like I don't know them, but like those are like the ones that I want. Uh, Till the Clouds Roll By, Harvey Girls, Ziegfeld Follies, and Meet Me and Stanley. We are all Judy movies, so that makes sense that she would be Liza's um, godmother. <laughs> well, like, oh, you look and, at Kate, and you she, look at Kate Thompson, and you go, "That would be Liza Minnelli's godmother." And her, she has a recent credit in the movie Single All the Way. She wrote the song Happy Holiday, The Holiday Season, which they use in that movie. So she has a credit for that. Good for the, her. Is that the Happy Holidays? The, the, is that her? Is that that song? Sure. Yeah. Uh, every time I hear that song, I just think of Katya just like butchering it going. <laughs> um, so every. Once in a while with, with classic Hollywood movies, I like to point out this one background extra. Her name is Bess Flowers. Have you ever, you probably never heard of her. She has over 900 credits to uh, uncredited credits to her name as a background extra. And Go, go on her. So in this movie, she she's uncredited as fashion show guest. I am waiting for a musical based off of her life because it, it literally you will be scrolling for days at her IMDb page. I um, love that. This is, I think, like the fifth time she's on this podcast. So uh, good for her. Granted, a lot of the movies that she's in aren't musicals so like the fact that this is number five for a musical movie i mm-hmm. applaud her her name is bess bess flowers go bess mm-hmm. there'll be a whole po- there'll be a whole story about her one day when <laughs> when this episode comes out i hope we inspire someone to write a movie about her from this episode i'm trying i'm trying to so i got the idea of highlighting her from another podcast uh, called Unspooled, where Amy Nicholson, who is a uh, film critic, uh, just mentioned her and her story. And I was just like, well, now with this podcast, I'm going to, with my tens of listeners, I'm going to, hopefully one of them is a screenwriter or something that will make a movie about her. Oh, do it, do it. Use your influence for good. I, I <laughs> just discovered Amy Nicholson myself because I was been listening to some of Unspooled. Yeah, uh, which is a it's a very fun podcast. But as with the case with every podcast, as I'm sure the listeners of this one know, uh, sometimes you listen and you just want to be a part of the conversation because sometimes the, uh, someone gets a fact wrong or they don't know something or they have an opinion you so disagree with. And you're like, I need to go into your face and tell you my opinion. Or, uh, you know, I butcher a last name and I'm very apologetic about it. But they're like, it's pronounced this way. But you acknowledge that you're not, you're never like, guys, this is canon. You're like, I'm going to butcher it. But if you really want to figure out how to say it, go online and look it up. It's the running theme of every episode. I butcher a last name because I, it, it's a name. Like, you know, unless you know the person. Because <laughs> it's a name. Because it's a name. I love your reasoning. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Um, I also did read that Sid Charisse turned down the ro- role of Joe, the one that went to Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn. Could you imagine Sid Charisse, though? Honestly, no. Uh, have you seen The Bandwagon? I haven't. The Bandwagon is actually a really wonderful film. Like, again, like every original movie musical of this era, like there are things about it that are quite crazy, but it is overall very good. 
it's the same thing. You know, like she and Fred Astaire, Fred Astaire does not really have any chemistry with his leading ladies aside from Ginger Rogers. Uh, yeah, because she didn't take so, shit from him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she went toe to toe with him. And I think it was Catherine Hepburn who said like she gave him sex appeal and he gave her class, something like that. Oh, um, yeah, Katie knew how to do it, but uh, <laughs> Sid Sharice, like beautiful dancer, I think. The movie, this movie would have been a little more dancey with Sid Charisse. I don't think it would have been as fun though, because Audrey mm. is also just like so charming and also and like kind of going a little more wild here than she does in other movies. She's a little less restrained, and I find that very fun to watch. And Sid, I don't think has that energy. Right, and it feels like not only did Aud- Audrey. Um like let down her hair and just do whatever it feels like across the board everyone is doing that everyone is on the same level like Fred Astaire is the is the straight man in this case because like he you need you need at least one person to be grounded yeah um yes he's a little crazy in some things like you know um uh when he's obviously breaking out into dancing um Mm -hmm. but he he is surrounded by he is the straight man surrounded by people who are like being wacky and funny and everything i mean Kay thompson hello yeah I mean, he has a whole dance number with an umbrella uh in front of audrey's window fred astaire has more sex chem- fred astaire has more chemistry with that umbrella than he does with any woman he's ever done a movie with i'm not gonna lie though he felt a little like over it i, I it, while watching it i was like is he bored like what's going I think on a little uh i mean i would say it feels like everyone had a lot of fun making this movie my issue with fred astaire is this was towards the end of his movie musical career this might have even been his last one i don't know that for sure but it's definitely towards the end and you definitely get the energy of like i don't have many more of these left in me and as opposed to like Kay and audrey I'm like let's just go wild fred's like uh, i guess um but like I view this like funny faces to Audrey Hepburn as Mamma Mia is to Meryl Streep. Of course. You know, I see that. Yeah. I see that. These, now that you say that, yes, I agree yeah, with you. These, these movie musicals that, you know, are shot on location, beautiful locations for these women who like have been so bound by their filmographies uh, outside of these films that you can sense the bubbly uh, excitement that they get making it, which sort of overrides a lot of the other rougher elements of those films that like you can just sort of get wrapped up in that in in that infectious energy for me anyway Mm. yeah wow this is going to be a long episode everyone and i'm not sorry about it but um is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat um well so we we mentioned (laughs) earlier i did we mentioned earlier that there are some Gershwin songs and I wanted to list them. They mm-hmm. are from the show. These are from the show. Uh, mm-hmm. The actual show, Funny Face. Uh, How long has this been going on? Which was a ri- written for the stage version, but cut. So they put it back into the movie. Then uh, the titular song, Funny Face. Let's Kiss and Make Up, which I don't remember. Uh, he love he loves and she loves, which is the duet that they sing while she's in the wedding dress and mm-hmm. wonderful. I believe "Let's Kiss and Make Up" is the number that uh, Fred Astaire does with the umbrella in front of Audrey's window. Great, I, I, I think I um, I, bla- I blacked out some moments in this movie. Sure. Um, last things I would guess I would say. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about it at the end. Uh, 
Fred Astaire ends up being right about that philosopher. He does only want Audrey for, you know, her looks. Her but body. Audrey, for her body. But Audrey takes a, a pot and smashes his head with it, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. she she does the fashion show. Fred Astaire, Fred Astaire, like, is about to leave, but then doesn't he's he, they keep trying to reach him at the hotel the airport and he keeps missing it and then what ends up happening is he sees the philosopher with like a giant bandage on his head who informs fred astaire like oh after you left she attacked me for you know being me and he loves that he's like oh i'm so he's a so glad that she didn't hook up with the philosopher and even more happy that she almost killed him and runs back uh and to bring it all back to empathy because finally Kay Thompson learns about empathy. She was like, I, I understand how you feel. Oh and Audrey Hepburn goes, that's empathy. And she goes, that's what you've been talking about. Oh my, why didn't you say so in the first place? But so then Fred Astaire comes back. Kay Thompson says, put yourself in her shoes. And he goes, got it. And he goes to the church uh, where she's at. Uh, where, they, where they, where they photo shoot the, well, where they did the, where they shot the wedding dress. Yes. And then they sail off on a raft. Yes. Like they did the first time. It's it's one of those things where like, it's silly. It's fun. Whatever. You don't think about it too much. Just enjoy the ride. Just, just have fun. And I watched this two days before it left prime. You watched it minutes before it left prime. So good luck finding it at this point. Well, I didn't have to watch it on prime because I do own it, but it was a matter of convenience. Like, do I really want to search through my uh, collection, uh, my collection, my hard drive and find it? Or can I just watch it on streaming? So I watched it on streaming, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's available to rent everywhere. It's not like that obscure of a movie anymore. Anywho, now on to the next section. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into Sharp and Flat now, unless there's any last minute thingy you want to know. Great. No, I think we'll cover it all in, in Sharp and Flat. Awesome. Let's go. Woo. Sharp flat. In this section, we're going to highlight moments, whether we talked about it or not. We talked about a lot of moments. I think we actually talked about the whole movie. We uh, did, in great detail. <laughs> uh, which is departing from what I usually do, but hey, whatever. We live, we grow. If we liked it, if we liked the moment that we're going to highlight, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it can change, it's flat. Matt, do you want to go first with your sharps? Sure. Um, Sharps. I think we both will say this one. Kay Thompson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll even say it. Audrey Hepburn. Not the greatest vocalist, not the greatest dancer, but I do enjoy her performance in this movie. Uh, The clothes. I agree with the costumes. Yeah, the costumes. The photo shoot in particular, I think, is just a wonderful sequence Um, and very much worth this movie alone i mean again the red dress she she's in the louvre she walks down to that red dress shouting take the picture take the picture looking more beautiful than aphrodite on her birthday and you just go oh yes oh god that that's gonna be a quote i have to pull i usually i usually don't pull quotes from sharp and flat but that that's it that's the quote very good um yeah it's absolutely stunning and then i think you know this I would sharp also the silliness. I think what keeps this movie going is that it tells you immediately do not take this thing seriously. And so every like crazy thing that happens, which we'll get into some of them with the with the flats, but like I, I there are some crazy moments that I am willing to look past because the movie's just like 
don't worry about it. On to the ne- We're already on the next scene. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, to add to that, I'm going to sharp specifically Audrey Hepburn blowing on Floster's face after he fainted. It's so stupid. I loved yeah. it. I was just like, what is she trying to do here? <laughs> what, oh, yeah. what was this direction? Um, oh, I also, I want to sharp um, the camera work in the bookstore. I think this is a very well shot movie. Stanley Donna knew how to film musicals mm-hmm. and there are a lot of really cool angles in the bookshops. There, he does a lot of angles from behind the books, which I think is really cool. Speaking of that, I just love the fact that like, the dress didn't fit Marion <laughs> with the pins in the back. With yeah. the clothes pins in the back, I was just like, "This is how we do it." Like, yeah. the, they didn't they didn't make it like too fantastical where everything fit her perfectly because that never happens. Yeah. Hello, women's fashion. So yeah. I loved that. I agree with you with the Paris costumes, except for the wedding dress. I had little issues with that. Sure, uh, the wedding dress is not. I don't think it's bad. It's just not the level of perfection of everything else. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's it's great. I think though, like I it's said, not accessorized the, well. I think the um the veil needed was supposed to be longer, but they tacked it to the dress, which made it look weird. Because all of a sudden she has this tool on the her on the back, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I, I agree with you, Kate Thompson, and all of all of her beauty. And mm-hmm. I'm sharpening. Bozazz. Bozazz. <laughs> yes, they, they keep saying pizzazz, but the captions, if you watch the movie captioned on Amazon, they write it out as buzzaz, B-O-Z-A-Z. B-O-Z-A-Z-Z. Yes. It's supposed to be pizzazz, but they keep saying buzzazz. But they say it fast enough that I think they're actually saying buzzazz because like Kay Thompson it, it's her it's her word it's her signature word but at one sure. point fred astaire says it and he's saying buzzaz not puzzaz he's saying it really with a b i mean i guess it's like i've i've been currently uh re-watching ugly betty uh during my quarantine which when this movie comes out uh, sorry when this episode comes out i will have been fully back out into the world i'm actually out into the world today but i've been in quarantine for 10 days and been watching a lot of stuff including ugly betty and they come up with a lot of words that are not real words to like describe things. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just very fascinating. It's like, oh, there's no word that describes what I want for this. So I'm going to create one. Pizzazz right. and, and, and bananas Beautiful. together. Beautiful. Beautiful pizzazz. is pizzazz. Yes. Um, okay. So every once in a while in this section, I come across what I like to call a natural. It's neither a sharp nor a flat. I have mixed feelings about it and I just need to talk about it some more. So I found, <laughs> I found here, here we go. Joe's frumpy dress. I was just like, it's on Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. It's not frumpy enough. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, the it's cause it's like a dress as well as a sweater, sweater vest, vest that thing. goes down to her knees. And I'm like, if you got rid of the black dress underneath it, that actually would be a stylish dress in the sixties, like very Right. So, right. And yeah. even like that sweater vest can be worn today. Like, uh, yeah. but it doesn't, it's not frumpy enough. Like I want, I wanted a, she's the, she's, um, she's all that moment where they take the glasses off and they put her hair down and she's beautiful. Like she's super yeah. beautiful. Like they needed that. They needed like 
super ugly costume or something. In a, in a way, this movie is actually very forward thinking because they don't do anything to change Audrey Hepburn's appearance on the outside. The only thing keeping the fashion women from seeing her true beauty is the fact that they think she's so annoying. They're letting what's on the inside affect what's on the outside, mm-hmm. which I mean, props where it's given mama like that is something that we've been talking about for years now look on what's on the inside and the fashion women are like right what's on the inside is i hate it like they there's a moment when they're trying to get her up there kate thompson's uh conferences in her secretary on the like speakerphone or whatever she goes do you remember that creature from the bookshop and her secretary <laughs> goes and her secretary goes yes like they're all like oh my god that annoying bitch which i love none of them are like oh that ugly little thing there's like she was so annoying um i also wrote down the uh her audrey hepburn's expressing herself in the dance in the dance sure i i liked it i hated it i'm not sure where i'm landing right now i'm teetering the fence and then also fred astaire phoning in on his dancing like we that. talked we talked about it like i don't really that one though i'm it's not i'm not sharpening it at all but it's not no. like really a flat it's more like a hey this happened i don't know how i feel about it like i don't hate it but i don't like accept it either as a thing well, it's fred astaire so like it's still good dancing it's just you can tell that his heart's not totally in it right yeah it like i was just like this is the best take like yeah what the fuck um okay that's all my naturals did you have a natural while we're here is there anything that you're just like mediocre about or um i mean I, the ending is very rushed considering like how long it takes us to get to that moment they kind of speed through it but that's also the case of every movie musical comedy at this time like if you watch singing in the rain again everything gets resolved in 90 seconds uh yes and I love that movie. I think that movie is almost perfect. It's like that last scene is just woof. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my only real like natural. Cause it's like at that point, like, yeah, we want to wrap it up. But also like, can this be a moment that we can relish? Anyway, that's a natural for me. And then what are your flats? Um, kissing a woman without her telling you that that's what she would like. Uh, yes. And then telling to her face that that's what she wanted. <laughs> uh, don't love that there are a couple of times when Fred actually kisses Audrey without her say so, which I don't love. And also like the fashion sequence is my favorite sequence in the movie, but I will also flat that I don't think the photos they take are the best photos they could have taken. Yeah, I could see that. I did. I did like how, (laughs) I don't know why I liked how the, the effects that they did on the photos where they color corrected and everything or, you know, did black and white and then the the balloons were colored or whatever. I did like that. Not enough to sharp it, but I did like it. Well, um, I think the movie has a lot of fun with the creative process of fashion and photo shoots. Uh, so yeah, like the whole right. post-production on it saves it for me. It's more just like, again, she is the most beautiful thing to ever exist and wearing the, like the greatest clothes you can think of in Paris. And I'm like, come on, these photos should burn my eyes. Right. <laughs> uh so my flats that scene where audrey goes to the office and they're all like talking about her but not to her but like in Mm -hmm. front of her Mm -hmm. i was just like what is this like i i know it i know this happens i know this happens in other movies and it's a trope and everything but like 
the way that they make her out to to me it sounded like she's a disgusting garbage monster and i was like it's audrey fucking hepburn like yeah. i get it I, I yes yes they all are like oh empathicalism whatever but like it, it seemed like there was also a little bit of like she's gross and ugly and it's like it's Audrey Hepburn. Well, the, they don't say anything gross about her. In fact, what's interesting about that scene when they're talking about her while she's in the room is like everything they say is technically a compliment, but it's like a backhanded compliment. The body's good. It'll be better when we're done with it. She's got a marvelous mouth. She has yeah. good cheekbones. Like they're basically saying like the structure is there and they're just saying it in a way that's really bitchy. <laughs> um, like they're not saying, oh, you are beautiful. They're like, you've got, you've got a good foundation. Right. And like the, the, there's the same conversation that happens in The Devil Wears Prada about Anne Hathaway and in Miss Congeniality about Sandra Bullock. And you're mm-hmm. like, these women are gorgeous. Why are we down? Why? Why are we downplaying them? Uh, and there's other examples, but those are the two that just come to mind right yeah. now that I'm like, whatever. It's, just, it's the thing you have to do in a movie. So the audience you're projecting to the audience, you need to understand that beautiful as these women are we are they are going to look more beautiful in a second and we need you to just understand that in this world they are a six right now and we're going to make them a 10 as opposed to like a real world nine about to become a 10 right and then also the fact that they fall in love i didn't like that at all because the i mean he (laughs) fred astaire has like you said more chemistry with that umbrella than he does with any human being in this movie yeah I, I think if I were to remake this movie or like do a stage version of it, which I, in my youth, I did like envision back in the day when I was like 17 or 18, I always wanted this to be on stage with uh, Natalie Portman, Jan Maxwell and Michael Baresi. But now that can't happen. Uh, can now we- I think I would do it with like Rachel Zegler and uh, oh, can like I, can I suge- oh, I was going to suggest somebody else. Who? Tell me who. Jane Krakowski. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Come on. I, I don't know who I'd want the dude to be because that I would basically, I would have to make one of two decisions, either recast the male lead in a way. So that way he's closer to her age and they actually have sexual chemistry. So you buy the romance or keep him older, take out the romance and make it much more of a Jack Liz lemon kind of thing from 30 rock. It would hmm. be one of those two situations. And I it's feel just like, a matter of like who the dude would be. I feel like if you're going to do the former look into like a former Fiero from Wicked or um, I can't think of any other shows because that's the one that's on my brain right now. Like Kyle Dean Massey would be great. I feel like. Uh, like a, a Bobby uh, Thornton. What's what's his middle name from the one who's in company now? He was in Bronx Tale. Bobby Conte Thornton, whatever. Y- yes. Yeah, yeah. I think like he would be a really good uh, young version of this role. And if we're going like slightly older, non-romantic uh friend you know like an andy carl or like someone who just like is charming and dry you know fuck it let's do hugh jackman he's in everything else (laughs) he'll get he'll get a greenlit (laughs) speaking of sharp and flat (laughs) um is there any songs that you would like to add to your life's playlist yeah i mean like uh, it's gershwin so i would i would listen to a lot of it i well not all Gershwin. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so sorry. Not all of it, but like I, there's a lot of Gershwin in there. I know Bonjour Perry isn't technically a Gershwin song. I do like listening to it. Um, and I love Paris. I've been there twice and I would like to go back. This movie made me nostalgic for going back. 
so yeah, I think like the next time I go to Paris, I will have this song on my playlist as, as the plane lands. How does that sound? That sounds great. I have a trio of Kay Thompson songs. Bonjour Paris did not make the cut because I didn't like it. But uh, well, you're trash. But I have Think Pink on How to Be Lovely and Clap Your Hands. You know what? How to Be Lovely is a song. That is a a cute little song thing. I don't understand why they're wearing tablecloths, but it's a cute little number. It's an impromptu prop. It's an impromptu. That's all. It's It's very Susan Stroman of like, take something that's nearby and use it for something it's not meant to be used for. And I actually did like, like that one, that song, I feel like complimented Audrey Hepburn's voice. Yeah. Like Audrey was an alto and it's, you know, just embrace the fact that she's got a low register and let her live in there. Like, um, what did she sing earlier? How long has this been going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there was something about it that just seemed a little off. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's her being an alto or her not being like the strongest singer in the world mm-hmm. or the arrangement. There was just something a little, a little off about it. But this song uh, on how to be lovely compliments her well. And plus she's with Kay Thompson. Like, let's yeah. be real here. That's probably why. For me with that, um, how long has this been going on? It's not that I think she sounds bad. I actually, I do enjoy how she sounds on it. It is very toxingy. It's more that the moment, dramatically speaking, and how she performs and how it's shot is supposed to be this big, like, I'm alive moment. Eve, and she's mm. singing it, and it's arranged very, like, quiet, slumbery. And it's it's just very disjointed. It, mm, it, maybe it, that's they, it. They, yeah, they, they um, combat each other. So that's my issue with that number. Is I will how have she to... sings it is different from how it's performed. Matt, I, I do have to say, before we wrap it up, thank you for making me watch this movie. I've seen the opening on Gilmore Girls so many times, and I mm-hmm. don't think I registered it was in this movie. And so when that happened, I was just like, yay, drum rolls, and then that's it. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is what Lorelai was talking about. Mm-hmm. So... Welcome. Thank you for making me watch it. It's a wild and crazy ride. Everyone needs to watch it. And yeah. we spoiled it, but it's like almost 60 years old. So fuck off. And also like, we're, I 70. We spoiled it's almost it, but I think 70. also like watching it is its own special joy. Like we're not, we talked about it. It does not prepare you for when you're watching it. A, for how wild it is, but also like how I personally find how enjoyable it is because it is wild and crazy, but in the way that a lot of movies of this era were, and if you kind of in the same way with Mamma Mia, if you just like sort of give in and just let it happen. Right. Yeah. It's and, very enjoyable. And just fall in love with Kay Thompson. Like that, I think that's what helped me through this movie was hmm. Kay Thompson's performance. I did like I did like everyone else, but like Kay Thompson is the one that like kept me in and like to keep watching it. Yeah. I'm a again huge Audrey Stan, and I do think she's good in this movie. It is Kay Thompson's movie. Like she is the her performance is perfect. No notes. I love Audrey. I have some notes. Kay, I have no notes. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, so we're done. We're this done. Is a, this, is a, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, America. You're welcome, America. Maybe things will get cut. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Matt, do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, sure. When does this come out, do you think? Uh, I have it. Let me find it. This will be coming out late january okay so by this point then the first series 
back on the podcast will be here, uh, which I talked about, I think, in Christmas on the Square. My podcast, Broadway Breakdown, will be in the middle of its Janine Tesori series, The Tesori Hour. Uh, After that, I'll be doing another quick break and then going into the next series, which is on cult musicals, which John will be on. I have not figured out what episode he's doing because I don't know which shows I'm doing yet. But he, uh, he is going to be on that one. So keep your ears open for it. If you want, as a suggestion... While you're figuring this out in the future, uh, mm-hmm. go through what I've already talked about and maybe we can revisit that. So this way I don't have to watch a new thing. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a movie musical. It would be a stage musical. Right, so. But then we could tie it in and be like an episode enter number here. I talked about it. <laughs> we'll talk about Repo, the genetic opera. Oh God, I did that already. Yes. I know. Yes. Let's I am, do it. I am furious that you pointed out that it was based off of a stage show, which meant that I had to watch it because then I watched it. Speaking of something that was going off of Amazon seconds later. <laughs> that movie is insane and boring at the same time. <laughs> Shut up. I love it. It's so cool. I believe bananas. what I described for my, for my review of it, it's, I put it dead last in my rankings of, uh, movie adaptations of stage musicals of this century and what i said about it was it's like rocky horror blade runner and you're in town had a baby but that baby turned out to be jan brady you're right you're 100 yeah. right um where can <laughs> anyway. the good people find you you can find me on instagram at matt cop like i just got a tiktok that i basically just repost everything i put on instagram anyway so you don't need to follow me there uh at matt Coplick, m-a-t-t-k-o-p-l-i-k on insta podcast broadway breakdown available everywhere you listen to podcasts and if you want to get in touch with me and talk about funny face did we miss something in our plot breakdown even though i don't think we did uh <laughs> I mean, we literally talked about an extra in the movie. I'm pretty sure we covered everything. Well, hey, hey, it's a running theme in Golden Age movies that I need to point her out because, God damn it, she will get a musical movie of her own. Uh, I'm just saying we covered every element. Like, we, we didn't leave, like, a speck of dust unturned. True. Uh, <laughs> you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, sometimes, mm. at buttasongpod. Uh, tell me your thoughts on this movie and if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation we're going to be talking about Muppet Treasure Island Matt thank you so much we have plans for you to come back but please think of any other wild and crazy movies because I think the next one that you suggested is not wild and crazy which is I don't want to say it on the podcast okay. well, you know tell what? Me when ble- we I'll, stop recording I'll, I'll bleep it out I think you said oh yay Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. That one isn't wild and crazy, but we're like, we're going to figure something out. You need to figure out another wild and crazy movie. That's the it. The fourth one that I recommended, I know is wild and crazy. I don't remember the fourth one that you recommended. Oh, right. That's right. You are. That's that's in the super future. So like we got yeah. <laughs> that's next Christmas. <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Get it. I'll think right. of any other wild and crazy ones. Awesome. So thank you, everyone. Um, Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and do all that fun stuff. And see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. 
Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.